Pastor Stephen and Holly, amazing people of God. Don't you love your pastors doing such an incredible work? And I want to tell you this right now, we're not just going live with all of our Elevation campuses, which is ridiculous because you guys are literally all over the world and uh, our EFAM, but also our church, Hope City. Houston, Texas, Katy, Texas, Cypress, Texas. Come on, let's welcome everybody in. We're glad you're here. Asheville and Blakeney and Roanoke. Come on, somebody. And I will tell you this. Right before we we jump in, I I do want to say that um, Michael and Sarah are here. They drove all the way from Houston, Texas. Um, They were in Santa Fe High School during the tragic shooting a few months ago. um, And they came to see Pastor Stephen and got me and they actually go to our church (laughs) so pastor loves you guys um we're glad they're here can you give them a great big hand thank you guys we love you we're praying for you turn to somebody next to you at all of our campuses and say you look good some of you guys are laughing try to do that without laughing it makes it more believable you can be seated Glad you guys are here. Thank you for coming. Big honor to Pastor Stephen and Holly. I love your pastors because um, they're not just um, pastors in name and title only, but they love people. In fact, when Hurricane Harvey smashed us last year, some of the very first people to reach out um, were Pastor Stephen and Holly. And they didn't just reach out and say, hey, we love you. We're praying for you. Um, They actually sent money. Around $50,000 you guys since I think it's pretty awesome that I, I get to be here at the beginning of Love Week and say I'm a recipient of Love Week. Thank you. Thank you for the way that you guys care. Here's what's awesome. It wasn't just money that you guys sent which is incredible, and thank you for that. But there was also boots on the ground. The care packages that you're putting together this weekend at all campuses came to us through Convoy of Hope. So thank you so much for the way that you serve. I love Love Week. Jump in, serve. I love the vision of your pastors. And uh, I remember the first time that I met Pastor Stephen, our church was growing exponentially. And um, I got an opportunity in 2015, we launched our church and it just blew up, man. God started doing great things. And uh, so I'm, a, I'm kind of a toddler senior pastor. And, uh, you know, a toddler sometimes has heads bigger than his body and kind of follows his head around. So that's kind of me like, and, uh, and so I got an invitation to come to the live recording and I went, I got to meet Pastor Stephen. I don't know. Have you ever met somebody that like you, like you're excited to meet? And you kind of play it out in your head, like you're going to have some small talk and you're going to be like, hey, how's it going? Yeah, you need a friend. I'll be there for you. You know, <laughs> you don't want to be weird. Like, oh, my God, I love your music. You know, just weird. <laughs> and when I met him, like if <laughs> Pastor Stephen doesn't do small talk. So like he already knew about my family. He knew about my wife. He knew about my kids. He knew when we launched the church and he led with all of that. Man, I'm excited about your wife, Jennifer, and about all of your kids, and about what God's doing at your church, Hope City in Houston, Texas. And like I was like, man. That was everything I was going to talk about. And then he was like, what'd you preach last weekend? I forgot. <laughs> I, I completely blanked. I was like, I was like, safe move. And Proverbs. <laughs> Be wise and stuff. So, but he was so gracious to me. And every conversation with Pastor Stephen has always been enlightening and eye-opening. And I love that he doesn't just, uh, he doesn't just preach. He loves people. 
He's a phenomenal preacher and one of the greatest communicators you'll ever hear. In fact, if it's your first time at Elevation or first time tuning in on the broadcast, I would encourage you um, to come back and be here when Pastor Stephen is here or tune back in. You owe it to yourself to hear one of the greatest voices of our generation to the nations. Thank you, Pastor Stephen. And you know what? Holly's no slouch. Lady can preach. Come on. So I'm, I'm glad. Glad to be here with them and then a lot of my friends, Chunks and LB, University City, come on, you guys giving it up and having a good time. And then I'm here with my family, I've got some of my family here, not all of my family because I have 87 kids, not really, I have a picture of my family. This is my family, this is before we had um, our next kid, so this is, I have four, three daughters first and then God blessed me with the son and that's him just hugging me like, it's okay daddy, it's going to be okay. And then we had another son and this is Gunner, I had a, uh, we had our, our next son, this is Gunner right here. I know, his mom address him like a youth pastor, right? Come on. We got, we got to get that boy some cowboy boots <laughs> from Texas, son. Come on. Um, <laughs> I'm glad that you guys are here, man. What an honor to have you here. James chapter four, verse eight. We're going to jump right in. The word says this, come close to God and God will come close to you. This is a promise. How many of you love the promises of God? I get fired up about the promise. Come close to God. God will come close to you, but it's also a process. Sometimes we just get excited about the promises, right? Oh, I want the promises of God. I want love and joy and peace. Woo-hoo! I can preach about that. You guys be fired up. And then I start talking about hard times and going through struggles. And you're going to have to go through some tough times to get there. And you're like, because we don't like process. We love promise. Process is a challenge. But you can't get a promise without a process. Let me help you. I love, I love biceps. I would love to have biceps. I chose jean jacket today because Pastor Stephen has biceps. I do not. It's whatever. Hush. I love biceps, but I also love bagels. Come on. I'm just saying, I want my wife to look at me and say, what a man, but also like, what a burger. So it's just <laughs> process and promise. You, you, have, you have to go through a process to get the promise. In fact, hundreds of times throughout the scripture, we find reference kind of, if you will, God will ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll knock and the door will be, but you have to do something first and then it comes into your world. It's process. It's, it's when I align myself with what God is doing, then it opens my assignment for me. In fact, that's what I'm going to preach this weekend. Alignment determines assignment. If I align with what God is doing in the world, if I align with what God is doing at our church and the blessings that's on our church will come into my life. Pastor Stephen's vision here at Elevation is love week. I want to jump in. I want to be all in on that. Because then the blessing that's coming on this church flows into my family. If I get into alignment with what God is doing, a lot of us pray, oh God, bless what I'm doing whenever we actually need to do what he's already blessing. I want to be in alignment with my family and then God will bless my marriage. I want to be in alignment with my career and then God will bless my career. Alignment determines assignment. I learned a lot about this from from a mentor that I got to spend some time with before he left this planet, Dr. Miles Monroe. And if you've never heard of Dr. Monroe, Google him, get some of his stuff on the kingdom. Just powerhouse, not just a pastor and preacher, but also a diplomat who traveled all over the world. In fact, when I first met him, 
We were in Houston, Texas, and he was speaking to business leaders in Houston at 5 p.m. And then at 7 p.m. he was preaching at a church. And then the next morning he was flying out to South Africa to address the South African Congress. So truly a renaissance man who had a powerful anointing. And it was my job that day to host Dr. Monroe. So I picked him up from the airport, flew in on a private plane. He was from the Bahamas. And I picked him up and I was in a black SUV. I wore a suit jacket. I like talked into my sleeve. I was like, the eagle has landed. There was nothing there, but it made me feel important. I got him in the truck. I got him to the place. He spoke and he spoke and he kept speaking. He spoke for a long time. It was all good, but I was thinking Houston traffic. I have to get this man from South Houston to Northeast Houston. And it's going to take me at least 45 minutes. And he's still talking. I need him to stop talking, Lord. And if you know Houston traffic at all, then you know, like at 430, the Holy Spirit's like, I'm out. (laughs) And the city falls into chaos for like the next three hours. Like people are screaming at each other. And then the Holy Spirit comes back and it's like, settle, you know. (laughs) So it's like, man, we got to go. And finally he finishes talking. He comes out. He gets in the truck. I put him in the truck. and, And right before I floor it, you know, he says, wait just a minute. Sure. He said, I believe we have a police escort. I was like, okie doke. But on the inside, I was like, I don't need a police escort, bro. I'm country. I'll bone Luke Duke this beast. I'll jump a ditch, put it in four-wheel drive. We're going to get there, bro. But I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I was like, okay, doctor. Houston version of chips pulled up on their motorcycles. <laughs> we have a lot of law enforcement in our church. Love you guys. Oh. <laughs> he walked over, and he's, he just looks at me and goes, Stay with me. I was like, winking the gun. All right, I'm with you. This dude pulls out, flips on his siren, pulls out, like pulling four G's, getting out of the parking lot. And I'm like, literally, y'all, we're doing 90 miles an hour on 45 North. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I've always wanted to go crazy fast. And now I'm with the law, so it's cool. I'm like waving at people like, God bless you. These dudes are parting traffic like Moses parted the Red Sea. It was amazing. And then they come up behind this one car that won't move over. You know, you know one of those late model Impalas that used to be a cop car that's not a cop car anymore? You know what I'm talking about? The ones that pull up behind you and you're like, oh, Jesus. Oh, God, right now. Lord, I'll quit cussing, God. Right now, I'm going to quit it. <laughs> I'm going to quit it. And then they pull up and it's like a mom with like four kids eating tacos in the back. If that's you, I rebuke that lying spirit on you right now. Paint your car. Get the mirror and the, and the light off the side of it, fooling people. This police officer gets so mad, he slides his bike sideways and he slaps the back of that guy's car. Dude, like, swerves all over the road, pulls over. The police officer says some very life-giving things to him as he goes by. <laughs> Dr. Monroe never looks up from his Bible, y'all. And he says this to me. He look, he's looking down and he goes, did you see that? <laughs> like, I saw my life flash before my eyes. Stop. I didn't say that. I was like, yes, sir. He said, what you have just seen is the difference between power and authority he said in your vehicle you have all the power that you want to get anywhere you want to go but it is your alignment with the authority in front of you that opens doors for you that you cannot open by yourself on the outside I said good doctor on the inside I said because ah! I come from church I'm trying to help you understand this Bible is not a book of destiny. It's a book of decisions. 
God is in charge of your destiny, but he's put you in charge of your destination. And if you align your life with what God is doing, it will open doors for you that you can't open for yourself. And people will look at you and say, how are you getting so blessed? I don't even know. I'm looking at your life and I don't see anything that should have peace. But you got a smile on your face and you're sleeping good. That's the peace of God that passes understanding. And God has a great personal plan for you and for me. But it's up to us to get in alignment with what God is doing. In fact, Jesus was very clear in John chapter 14. He said, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also and greater works. How many of you believe God's got something great for you to do? challenge is it's easy to say that at church and yeah you do your thing all right how you doing i'm fine blessed and highly favored first and not the last head and not the tail god is good all the time and all the time oh thank you christians he doesn't answer email he answers an email come on somebody the challenge is whenever it comes to us We don't always believe that because we disqualify ourselves for the mistakes that we've made. Bible says, fix your thoughts on things that are good, on things that are pure, on things that are lovely. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, if anything's praiseworthy, think on these things. Turn to somebody next to you and say, fix your thoughts. So this weekend, we're going to fix our thoughts. We're going to align our thoughts so that our assignment can open to us. Three things that I'm going to give you. Number one, you got to think good thoughts. More often than not, whenever you hear a message, especially from Pastor Stephen, man, they're so life-giving and uplifting and encouraging. And he can pop you in the mouth and then make you like it. But there are times whenever we walk away from that and then we get to Tuesday or we get to Thursday And we're challenged and we think, well, not me. Maybe that was for somebody else. You ever written yourself out because you feel inadequate? We're really good at looking at somebody else and saying that's for them, but not for me. Or or getting into that comparison trap where we compare ourselves to everybody else. We look at Instagram and we're like, oh, look at their family. They're so happy. And we don't know. They're really not. It took 48 tries to get that picture. And it says hashtag no filter. Hashtag liar. I remember one time I got invited to a conference because I was a pastor. They let me sit on the front row. It was awesome. I wore a jacket. I carried my big Bible. I brought highlighters. Christine Kane was preaching from Hillsong, Australia. You guys know Christine. She's amazing. She was preaching. I was sitting up there. She told us to turn to Ezekiel. I couldn't find it. I was in Ephesians. I was like, where is it? The guy next to me was like, it's over. I was like, hey, bro, God's speaking something different. You you look at the screens. He's it's for me. That's a true story, y'all. I was like, I'm going to highlight the wrong thing, but it's going to look right. She was preaching and she said, Lately God has been waking me up at 4 a.m. Oh, dear God, she might watch this. I'm sorry. I don't know why my Christine Kane impersonation sounds like a pirate, but it does. Lately, God's been waking me up at 4 a.m. And from 4 a.m. to 8 a.m., I've been drinking from the sweet nectar of the word. And on the outside, as a pastor, I was going, hallelujah. 
You know, sometimes pastors will turn around to the church and we'll go, hear that. Oh, help us, God. But on the inside, I was going. 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. Like, I didn't even know you were awake, bro. I thought we were both sleeping at that time. Like, I'm asking you, do not wake me up at 4 a.m. to drink the sweet nectar of anything. I want to drink the sweet nectar of sleep, okay? Speak, God, speak to me in a dream. I literally got to thinking, like, what? Like, God, like, if you were, if she's praying four hours a day, then I can't even make it through my daily Bible reading. Come on, don't act all judgy. You know what I'm talking about. You're like, I'm going to do, da- I'm going to do the Bible in a year. You open your version app and you're reading the Bible and you're reading the Bible and you're in a chapter and then you're thinking about something else and you're thinking about something else and you get to the bottom of the chapter and you're like, oh, I don't even remember what I read. Does it still count, God? Does it count? Can I count it? Okay, I'll read it again. You know? Here's what I got to think, and this is a true story. It's ridiculous, but I got to think, God, if we can clone a sheep, why don't we just clone Christine? Let her reach the world. And I'll just chill, you know, because I can never be that. I can never do that. And how many of us do the exact same things? We write ourselves off of what God wants to do in our lives because we look at what he's doing in somebody else's life and we say, I can never do that. But what if God didn't call you to do that? What if God called you to do what he called you to do? I'm so tired of copycat callings. Oh, I want to do what they're doing. Oh, I want to do what they're doing. But God didn't even gift you to do that. Elevation worship's amazing. But they have a tryout process. <laughs> Somebody just said, yes, they do. I'm sorry about that, ma'am. <laughs> get up in there and be like, I can sing. You can't sing. There's some of you that are not gifted to sing. I'm telling you right now, thus saith the word of me. Tryest not thou out for elevation worship. My mama said I could sing. Your mama lie. Maybe that's not your gift. Maybe your gift is not business and you look at somebody else who's doing business and you think you should do business, but maybe you should just continue in the career that you're in and go to the next level in the career that you're in. You look at somebody else's marriage and you discount your own marriage because you don't see the result of their marriage and your marriage. And you don't even know they're sleeping in separate bedrooms. They're just really good at faking it. Listen, it's important for us to honor our gifts. And I think that's great. But you better know what your calling is. Because giftings and callings are different, folks. And if I don't know the difference in a gifting and a calling, I will go to the highest bidder for my gift and prostitute my calling to anybody that honors my gift. Giftings are cultivated through practice. Callings are cultivated through prayer. God help us to be a church that prays. God help us to be a church that pounds the ground and says, Lord, have your will and have your way. Can I preach on a Sunday morning? Is that okay? Man, there's like, kind of hurt my throat. Something about this pulpit, Pastor Stephen. Sometimes we we say things like, well, I'm waiting on God. I'm just waiting on God, brother. Let's let's look at what God says about uh, waiting. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. Moses is surrounded by the people, children of Israel. They've been delivered from hundreds of years of captivity. And now they're on the banks of the Red Sea and they feel like they're going to die. And they go to Moses. The Egyptians are chasing them down. There's nowhere to go. Mountains all around. Red Sea in front of them. And they go to Moses and say, why did you bring us here? We're going to die. Ever been in that situation? 
where you get out of one thing and you're like, yeah, freedom. And then you're like, no, it was better back. Why? What am I doing here? They go to Moses and Moses comes to the people. Moses, verse 13, answered the people and says, do not be afraid. I'm already in, so I'm going for it. Stand for The real preacher will be back next week, guys. Come on. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. <laughs> guys, this might be my last time here, so let's, let's milk it. Let's have fun. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Turn to somebody next to you and say, be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, now this is God's definition of be still. <laughs> Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Be still, move on. See, some of us have confused be still with stand still. And God never told you to stand still. He told you to be still. In the Hebrew, that's the word rafa. It just means relax. Some of us have stopped where God said, no, I didn't tell you to stop. I didn't tell you to build a house there. You're supposed to build a tent there. You're supposed to keep going. You're not supposed to stay there. You're supposed to get up and keep going. They're scared to death thinking they're going to die there. And God's getting ready to show them something. He says, raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Notice what he told him to do. Raise your staff. Remember the one I gave you, the one you've had for years. Oh, and your hand. That's the one you were born with. If you want to align yourself with what God has called you to do, you already have everything that you need. But I cannot make you exercise what you have access to. You have access to prayer. Yeah, you do. And your prayers are powerful. Elijah was a man just like us. That's what the Bible says. But he prayed that it wouldn't rain and it didn't rain. What would happen if we started praying? Old school, crazy, audacious prayers. Get after it. God's called you to walk through what you're in right now. He may not deliver you immediately out of it because he wants to pull you through it because the pulling you through it is going to make you who he's called you to be. Second thing you got to do is you got to think, you got to think good thoughts and then you got to think God thoughts. You got to think God thoughts. Well, I'm looking at where I'm at and I'm saying there's no way that I could do this. Well, yeah, you can't, but with God, all things are possible. You got to think God thoughts. Listen, if you want the enemy to steal your dreams, just do nothing. And he will. But if you want God to do something amazing in your life and you don't see how it's going to happen, just keep moving. The easiest way for me to explain how God operates is through science. So we're going to we're going to drop some science right now with with the theory uh, theory of relativity from Einstein. Is that okay? Here's what it says. Einstein's theory of relativity says time and speed are relative to the objects that are measuring them. Time and speed are relative to the objects that are measuring them. Let me ask you a question. How fast am I going right now? (laughs) The speed of moron. That's what you're thinking. No, 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 no. Your perspective says I'm standing still. But if you understand how fast our earth is spinning on its axis and how fast our Milky Way galaxy is moving through the universe, then you realize we're going more than two million miles per hour. But from where you're sitting, it looks like we're standing still. God operates in a different realm than where you operate. His ways are not our ways. Here's what Einstein said. He said, the faster you go, the slower time becomes. And at the speed of light, time would stop and distance would shrink to nothing. Time and space are not constant and universal. They are flexible and personal to the observer. Einstein said, the problem lies, and I want you to get this, not in relativity, but in assuming 
that our common sense represents reality. So what I'm trying to tell you is what you see is not all that there is. Can you come help me for just a minute? Oh, bearded wonder. What's your name, man? Jesse. I prefer bearded wonder. How old are you, bearded wonder? 28. 28. This is cool. I think you should grow it out and curl it on the side. All right. 28. So 28 years ago, Jesse's timeline began somewhere over here. Now, my hope is, turn sideways, my hope is that way, 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 way down here, God gives you long years, okay? But here's what we do know. All right. You only move one way on this timeline, right? Chronologically, you move forward. You never move backwards. You don't have that kind of power. Do you have that kind of power? Just making sure I didn't get a crazy person up here. Yes, I do. Okay, security. Um, Jesse moves one way. All right. Here's what I want you to understand. We move one way with age, but there are some of us, and we never stop moving forward. You're getting older right now. <laughs> You're approaching death. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a great weekend. Um, you move one, one direction. You move one way. But emotionally and spiritually, I've seen people get stuck on a timeline and never be able to get over something that happened. Listen, you can't get over it until you go through it. You can't get past it until you deal with it. And so I've seen people who are 65 years old but no wiser because they've been living the same year over and over and over again. God wants you to move forward, but here's what I want you to understand. God doesn't operate like you and I operate. The Bible says he knows the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. He was there at the foundation of the world. He didn't have a start. Try to think of when God started. I'll break your brain. He's everywhere at once. He's always been. He never was. He never will be. He is. Whenever Moses said, who should I tell Pharaoh sent me? God said, I am. Yes. Okay. Is there a last name? I am that I am. Mic drop. Why would he say I am that I am? Because he never was. He never will be. He always is. He's a very present help in the time of trouble. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Here's why. Because God doesn't move one way. Einstein even knew this. God operates outside of time and space. He moves backwards. He moves forwards. He can move around. He can move up and down. Here's what I'm trying to help you understand. Some of us are stuck in time. And God's saying, listen, whenever you pray, you start asking God, God, I need an answer. God, I need you to come through. God, I need a breakthrough. And all of a sudden, God goes, all right, Jesse, I love you. I found, you found favor in my eyes. And he drops the answer on our timeline. We're just not ready for it yet. But we have to keep walking forward until we walk into the answer that has already been provided. So please. Don't stop in the middle of pain. Promises on the other side of the process. Somebody shout unto God with a voice of triumph. And finally, you got to think grateful thoughts. You got to think good thoughts. You got to think God thoughts. And then you got to think grateful thoughts. You can't mess with a grateful person. Somebody who can find any reason to be grateful. It's like the lady, old, old timer. She was just, she loved Jesus. She was an old lady. She was living on a fixed income and she prayed over everything every day. She opened the windows and she would pray. And she would pray loud. And she would thank Jesus for everything. Anybody raised with a grandma who prayed? Anything that happened. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Like the places where we say, why? They're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. If you're ever raised by a person like that, it'll drive you crazy. I love you, mama. 
she was always grateful and she would open the windows of her house and she would just thank God and she lived next to an atheist. Drove him insane. So one day she was asking God, she said, God, I need some groceries. You know I'm low. I don't have anything in the fridge. I don't have anything in the cupboard, but you are my provider. You are Jehovah Jireh. And right now I depend on you. And he was like, the atheist was like, cool. You had to depend on me. And he went out and he said, I'm going to show this lady there is no God. He went out and he got groceries for her and he brought it and he set it on her doorstep and he rang the doorbell and he hid and she opened the door and the groceries were there and she was like, thank you, Jesus. He jumped out. He was like, wasn't Jesus. It was me. She said, thank you, God, for providing for my needs and making the devil do it. Come on. You can't mess up somebody who knows how to be grateful. They'll find any way to say, in this pain, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Yet will I praise him. Y'all, y'all sit down. Sit down, sit down. I got six minutes and 23 seconds. Nobody knew this. Nobody understood this more than David. The Bible says David's a man after God's heart. And I think it was because he was constantly after God's heart. But he went through some pain. Read it. He went through some heartache. He went through some tough times. He went through shame. He went through guilt. And he still wrote Psalm 23. I love Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He, everybody say he. He He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you. Everybody say you. you. Notice there's a shift there from he to you, from the third person to the first person. Because in the valley of the shadow is when he comes closest. You stop talking about him. And you start talking to him. When I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, everybody say shadow. Everybody say, I see a shadow. If you see a shadow, do you know what causes a shadow? Let me help you understand. A light is what causes a shadow. You can't have a shadow unless there's a light. So if you're in the valley of the shadow of death, you just look around the shadow and keep walking towards it. I'm not even preaching that, guys. Simmer down. Just in the text. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And then this really weird verse here. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I don't know what campus you're at. You're at Matthews or University City or Melbourne. I don't know where you're at. You're Hope City. I don't know where you're at. But I, I do know this. God's preparing a table before you. Everybody say before me. I need about four people to come help me. Can you, can you guys come help me right there? All right, perfect. You guys are kind of big and thuggy looking. That's perfect. Come on over here. That was a joke. All right, right here. Uh, yeah, just stand and, and yeah, kind of face me. So here's what happens. When I'm aligned with God's purpose, he gives me an assignment. I'm thinking good thoughts. I'm thinking God thoughts. I'm thinking grateful thoughts. And he prepares a table. Because anytime you ask God, God, I want to go to another level. He goes, good. And he assigns an enemy. I mean, think about it. David's nobody until Goliath. He's already anointed, but he hasn't done anything yet. And so here, here they are, and they've got bad thoughts towards me. Just, just spread out a little bit, kind of get in a little circle here, like right here. All right, and now I want you to say something really mean, like, we hate you. All right, go. We, we hate, hate you. you. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting ready to be attacked by a boy band. Bye, 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 bye. Sorry, I'm sorry, bro. I'm messing with your street cred, aren't I? Um, 
So here's what happens. They have a bad plan for me and God's leading me directly through it. And I see it and I start trying to talk God out of it. God, why do I have to go through the hard thing? God, why do I have to go through the rough marriage? God, why me? Why is it that my kids are going crazy? Why is it that I can't seem to get it together financially? Why is it that as a business owner, I always hire the wrong people and they go crazy? Why, why, why? Why do I have to go through that and I see it coming? And God says, trust me. I got to stay aligned. I got to stay aligned. I got to stay aligned. And now my assignment is to go right into the storm. Because he, he goes before me. And he prepares a table before me. You look kind of big. Do you have a strong back? Decently strong back? Yeah? Can you get down on all fours for me if you don't mind? Thanks. His shirt says welcome. So I said okay. All right. You just uncap that and hold that right there. Come around here for me if you don't mind. You just stand right here and you hold that right there. And here's what happens. I'm walking into it and I'm going, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And God has already gone before me and he's gone. Hey, listen, I know you had evil plans, but I'm going to use the plans of the wicked. I'm going to confound these plans. I'm going to use what the enemy meant for bad. And I'm going to turn something good out of it. So it's going to be a hard situation. It's going to be a process. But in the process of the process, there's going to be a promise. And whenever I start walking into it saying, God, no, but I trust you. God, I don't want to go through this, but I trust you. God, I don't know what to do, but I trust you. And all of a sudden, God sits me down. And all of a sudden, I start finding rest in a hard place. I start finding sustenance in a tough place. I start finding right there. God starts restoring. Just massage my shoulders, bro. Thanks. I'm thirsty, man. I'm thirsty. God. And all of a sudden, my, my haters become my elevators because God's got, a, God's got a plan if I'll just submit to it. And on the other side of this, the thing that I despise will be the thing that I look back on and say, that defined me. If I hadn't gone through that, I wouldn't be where I am. Thank you, Jesus, for the pain. It was the pain that got me to the promise. Somebody stand with me all across this place. Thank you for being here. Thank you for coming. Especially those of you who are far from God or in pain or heartache or shame. You guys can go. Thank you. Just hook your boy up. I'm old school. I got to preach with the hanky. I know it's, it's easy to look up here and go, yeah, man, that's awesome. Appreciate your words. So good. Hashtag good preach. Because it preaches good, man, but it's hard to live. And if you're in the midst of pain, it's really hard to say, I trust. You see, yeah, but you're a pastor and you're here and you get to preach this amazing place, such an incredible visionary leader, Pastor Stephen Holly, man, what a blessing. But you don't know me. You don't know what it took to get here. I'll never forget the day my wife left. Walked out. Things like that are not things that you celebrate. Took the kids. When we got married, we had known each other for nine months. I didn't know the past that she had come from. I didn't know that her very first memory was of being molested by a family member. I didn't know that abuse had been in every relationship in her life. Every man in her life had left or rejected her in some way, shape, or form. And I came from a family that my parents have been married 47 years. They still make it weird. Holding hands and stuff like, quit all that. We get into this marriage and abuse begins day one. 
Except for this time, it doesn't come from the man in the relationship. It comes from her. And the abused becomes the abuser. It wasn't who she was. It was just what had happened to her. There are some of you who have accepted an identity that is not you. It's just what had happened to you. And you need to be delivered from that today. And receive the restoration and the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus. And let the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit flow out of your life. But I know what it is to cover my face with makeup because I don't want people to see the bruises. I know what it is in the dead of summer to wear long sleeves because I don't want people to ask about the scratches. I come from a family of cowboys. You don't put your hand on a woman. I didn't know what to do, so I did what every man in her life had done. I just did it in a different way. I completely rejected her. I set standards for her that she could never achieve, and I didn't believe in her. And she left. And we were separated. Not for just a couple of weeks. We were separated for 27 months, for two years. I didn't have any hope. All I had was trust. Because I was... I was thinking good thoughts, even though I I had a hard time. I was thinking God thoughts, and I was learning how to think grateful thoughts. God, I don't feel like a husband, but I'm going to stay aligned with my marriage because I know you have an assignment for me. What I didn't know was he was doing the same thing in her the whole time, and here we are. I can't ever forget, baby girl, the day you knocked on my door, my office door, and you looked at me with tears streaming down your face and said, I don't want to be this way anymore, and she's not that way anymore. We're 18 years in, got five kids. Don't tell me that when you align yourself with God's purpose, his plan, his promise, that he can't do something amazing in your life, in my life. Just got Let me pray for you, Lord. I thank you for what you've done in this room. I thank you for what you've done in every campus at Elevation, at Hope City, the EFAM people watching online. I pray right now that you would do a work in somebody's heart and change them radically. Let them align their life with you so that you can open the assignment that leads from the process to the promise. We will trust you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Come on, let's shout unto God with a voice of triumph.